I'm David Knowles, and welcome to a special episode of Ukraine, The Latest. In September 2023, the Ukraine The Latest team took a trip to Washington, D.C. for our live show at the British Embassy. While in the U.S., I went to a Ukrainian festival at St. Andrew's Ukrainian Orthodox Cathedral in Silver Spring, Maryland. The festival promised Ukrainian music, culture, dancing, singing, and even a Cossack beer garden. I was keen to hear the stories of the attendees. Some were fourth or even fifth generation American Ukrainians. Others had arrived more recently in the US, fleeing the 2022 full-scale invasion. St. Andrews is a little way out of Washington, DC. Down the road is a Lutheran church, and opposite, a psychic. Later, I found out that the Ukrainian Orthodox Cathedral's next door neighbors, the mosque, had allowed them to use their land for parking. I attended the festival over two days, Friday the 15th and Saturday the 16th of September. Here is what I found. I started by talking to Peter, a member of the congregation who showed me around. This is the uh, the backside of the cathedral. We have seven acres here um, and we've got a lake. We've got tents set up for the festival, which we try to promote Ukrainian culture, Ukrainian music. We got Ukrainian food here. We got vendors, anything Ukrainian you want. Um, we're gonna have some live performances. We have the Ukrainian beer tent. You said this started 20 years ago. Yeah, 20 something grown? years yeah. ago, and it just started as a small festival. And uh, every year it's gotten bigger and bigger. We are the Orthodox Church. There's other Ukrainian Orthodox churches and other Catholic churches, but for some reason, we just have a knack of putting on a good festival and improving every year, reinvesting, and it's getting bigger and bigger. And uh, unfortunately, because of the war, it's become much more popular, but it's amazing to see Americans. It's not just Ukrainians coming here. It's, it's Americans, all different cultures, and they show the support. And uh, profits go back to Ukraine and to help the war, you know, humanitarian relief. What's your sort of family connection to Ukraine then? Both my parents are Ukrainian. They were refugees. Uh, they went to Germany. They were in refugee camps for, you know, I think up to nine years. They were just there temporarily. They went to Australia, uh, both of them separately. They met in Australia. My dad got his PhD there. He came to America back in 1959. They were in LA, they were in Indiana, then they moved to Buffalo, New York. And I have two older sisters and I'm the youngest. And we grew up in a very strong Ukrainian community in Buffalo. And as we grew up, we all moved to Washington, D.C. And what does your Ukrainianness sort of mean now in the midst of the full-scale invasion? Oh, how how wow. do you think of it? It's just incredible. You're just shocked. We were shocked. We, in Ukraine, you know, like our relatives were ne never big fans of the Russians, but never did they think that this would happen. You know, it's unheard of. So we're just doing everything we can. You know, it's unbelievable what Father Steliak and our little parish have done. The tractor trailers, they go, go to Newark, they fly things to Ukraine. It's incredible. Yeah, we're really proud to be Ukrainians, and we're very proud with what the, uh, the Ukrainians in Ukraine are doing. It's incredible. What do your relatives over in Ukraine sort of make of what's happening here? It's funny. It's interesting. They do see us every once in a while in Voice, Voice of America in Ukraine. And, you know, they just love Americans. You know, it's amazing. Every I go to Ukraine and I'm like treated like, like a god. I don't know what it is, but the U.S. government's been so good over the years to Ukraine. And I'm so glad this administration and hopefully the next administration supports Ukraine to the fullest till they win, till, till the invaders are out, get out of the country. So we've walked down to the sort of bottom of the garden here at the cathedral and it's difficult. There's so many, there's tents, there's chairs everywhere. There's a stage over there, I think. There's a grill, beer yeah. garden. And down there, there's just a beautiful lake as well. It's absolutely lovely, yeah. lovely yeah, yeah, scene here. Yeah. 
So what's the plan for tonight? Start the festival. I just heard they're going to have a little program today. And uh, this will be a live performance. And it's a little warm-up for the Big Bash uh, all day Saturday and Sunday. So uh, hopefully, you know, we'll get another great turnout. Thank you very much. Next, I headed into the church itself to speak to the priest Peter mentioned there, Father Volodymyr Steliak. Well, Father, we're standing in your beautiful church. Can you tell us just a little bit about the building? Why is this significant to the Ukrainian community? Well, first of all, welcome. And uh, we have welcomed into our church individuals since 1949 here serving uh, Ukrainian and American community since 1949. We have been here when technically there was no Ukraine on a map. We were Ukrainian church, but legally, I guess, officially, there, were, there was no Ukraine. Even though we planted a uh, Shevchenko monument, and later on we planted a famine monument, you see, and this church and a few other churches. This is the first church in the world dedicated to the Chernobyl victims. We have consecrated and broke ground for this church in May, I believe, of 1986. The Chernobyl disaster took place in April 26, 1986. So this church was dedicated to those victims. So when you walk in the Orthodox Church, your instinct uh, reaction is to be a bit overwhelmed by the paintings, by the grandeur or, or gold and paintings and iconographies and, I guess, marble floors and all that. Um, it is supposed to do that. It is intentional. For us, it's the heaven and earth. Uh, this is... A, the church can be built in the form of a cross, can be built in the form of the ship. And that's because outside the church, there are the turbulent waters of the world. And anyone can come in this ship and be saved. And we do, we are intentional about decorating or, or they are spiritual. They are not just decorations. Uh, they have been put with prayers. They were, when you paint, uh, you read Psalms. And you don't paint. It is incorrect for us to say someone painted. Uh, the icons are written. So that is the, the proper. But the most central point of, of the church is, of course, the altar, which is separated by an icon screen, golden, as, as you can see. And that is called the iconostasis. And uh, those doors open and the priest serves in there and that is the place this is the place where we worship on a daily basis it is a community that is getting larger and larger more active as you can see today is our uh, large uh, or the, the largest event which is the washington ukrainian festival which we welcome about fifteen thousand people can you tell us about the parish's work during the full-scale invasion what kind of things have you been doing of course, when the war started, we have realized that we were sucked in this uh, vortex of, of evil and uh, sadness, anger. All those emotions have, have sur surfaced, certainly. 
and we have seen the worst, the worst of humanity. But at the same time, minutes after that, we have seen, I have seen the best of humanity. The front of the church, we had a mountain of flowers. People came in to donate money, clothing, medical supplies, anything they could. And we were overwhelmed. I always knew that there are the people by default are good people and they are kind. And that's what I, I search in, in, instinctively. And I always seen that. It was so wonderful to see that exhibition of love, kindness, and people across the world coming together. It's unfortunate that it takes an event like this, but indeed it brought us together. Look what it did to, to Europe. Every country has its own interest, but yet they all realize how important it is to be together as well, divided, separated, and yet together. Have you welcomed many families from Ukraine to the church, to the parish, uh, during the full-scale invasion? And if so, what, what's their experience been like? How have you worked with them? So our humanitarian center was established immediately after the full-scale invasion. We have organized our uh, humanitarian efforts. Uh, we have sent over $10 million worth of humanitarian aid ambulances, medical supply, countless. Uh, we just sent $6 million worth of medicine uh, that we got from uh, benefactors. And that was and continues to be our humanitarian effort. As another section under that umbrella of the humanitarian center, we also take care of the um, uh, refugees. And every time we had refugees, we try to do something for them. It is hard because we had tens of thousands of people. We are not a church that is capable to do too much, but we make sure that we give some uh, for children some cash, give some computers or uh, some pay some bills. So we try to do. Uh, did we accomplish uh, did we satisfy all our requests? No, far from it. And, and, and that's the sad part. But we continue to support as much as we can. What have you made of the solidarity of other Americans towards Ukraine? Is that something you feel on a on a day-to-day -day basis? I'm just curious to, to know what it's like with your neighbors. I know there are other churches and so on, on on this road. What have you felt from them? Well, if you walk just a few couple hundred meters, you will find... For example, St. Andrew, another St. Andrew, Lutheran Church. And they have been very active. Their volunteers come to our volunteer center on a weekly basis. It's like one family. Well, we are very close with, uh, with their uh, pastor. Uh, we are very close with the community. Were we this close or did we know each other before the war? No. And yet we were neighbors. I, I think what happened here is that there are some sensors that God put in us. And those sensors were, were triggered. In our human essence, we don't tolerate, we have an adverse reaction to evil acts, to injustice, to uh, 
uh, wars, to killing, it was so blatant, it was so unfair, it was so unnecessary to invade an innocent country that done nothing. And that touched that nerve, that touched that sensor, and, and the whole world overall, generally speaking, has felt that inner sensor, that this is unfair. Some reacted much to be more engaged and to do something about some less, but uh, make no mistake that people do not tolerate this kind of behavior, especially in the 21st century. This isn't supposed to sound like a trite question, but it might do. But as a priest, as you said, you, this war has shown as the best of humanity, but also the worst. To get through those, those worst times and the worst news of the atrocities and the murders and the killings, where do you go in, in the Bible? What, do you, what guides you through that? So I got a question from, um, I'm not sure, was it CNN or one of the networks? What do I think will happen? or What do I think God will do with Putin, for example? And my answer is that I will leave that for God to sort. But I will tell you that that kind of diabolical act can only tell me and it shows what is in the heart. Do I decide or I want to decide where he will go and how will God? No, I don't want to speculate. We are, we as Christians do not, are not in the business of speculating what will happen. I will, we will leave that to God. But it's self-evident. And the scripture tells us to focus on the good, on the positive, on the future of Ukraine, on the peace of the world, not on failed and uh, sick individuals. It's incredibly beautiful. Thank you so much for welcoming me here. Is there anything we haven't spoken about that you think would be important for people to hear and understand? This weekend, we just started 20th Washington Ukrainian Festival. We started this 20 years ago because here in metropolitan Washington, D.C., a lot of people, there are a lot of Ukrainians, but the American community did not know who Ukrainians are. Now, the whole world knows who Ukrainians are because of the unfortunate war. But before that, nobody knew. And we had so much to share. The culture, the church, the food, the embroideries of the shirts, the cuisine, the stage that we have, the music, that's all there and it's beautiful. And people start coming. So this is what Ukrainians are fighting for. This is their church. This is their embroideries, their food, the culture, the uh, music, and it's worth fighting for. As we moved into the evening and the music got louder, I got to speak to some of the other people in attendance. My name is Yuri. 36, and I'm from Ukraine originally. Khmelnytsky region, which is, you're probably more familiar with like Lviv, which is the most Western portion. So we're more of, uh, probably like three hours away from Lviv, uh, Southwest. And what brought you to America originally? 
I came here as a student exchange back in 2007 and then got an opportunity to join some uh, additional courses besides like the that side job, so to speak, that I came to do. Joined basically a local school and then decided to stick around afterwards. And can you tell us about the parish? What's your experience here at the cathedral? Well, there are a few Ukrainian churches in the area, right? But this, this one makes you kind of feel at home. Every time you come here, no matter whether it's like official service you come to, you know, or you just come here to help around, definitely feel like home. And I guess the relationship, you don't get that, you know, I'm a priest and you're like, you know, parish, but more of like, hey, how you doing? You want to have lunch together or something like that? That makes you kind of like feel equal. You don't, you know, you don't feel left out basically. And I enjoy that. What have you made of the U.S.'s support for Ukraine during the full-scale invasion? And do you feel that solidarity from ordinary Americans in everyday life? Probably not from everyone. The solidarity you don't get from everyone. And I don't think every, at least not every person I talk to or communicate with on a daily basis, American uh, people I refer to, I don't think everyone understands how it could play out in the long run, like this whole invasion thing and stuff, right? You get, you get opinions like, we feel bad for Ukraine, let's help, let's help them out as much as we can. And then you get opinions like, how much more are we going to help? Right, we, we're getting inflation in the country, our gas prices are going up and all of that. And then I opposed to that saying like, okay, if, if Ukraine falls and Poland is next, would you rather help now or would you send, send your son or daughter to protect Poland due to like all the NATO you know, agreements and stuff? Normally that conversation ends really quickly, right? They, they'll say something like, well, that's a different story. That's a different subject, which to me, I don't think it is, but many people unfortunately think it. When you talk to your relatives and friends in Ukraine, how does that conversation go? What do you talk about? So no, now the conversations are a lot different. They're back to like normal, how it used to be before the big scale invasion, right? People are, it's surprising to me when I call, my questions would still be the same. Like, I hope the city is okay where you at. I hope you're, you know, building stands and stuff like that. And for them, it's like, well, we had a, an alarm or what, what, siren go off because of the missiles coming. And they land, like a few landed in our city. So yeah, we spent a few hours at the basement, but now I'm back up to normal, you know, brushing teeth, washing face, going to work. And you're like, really? You just had a missile landing next to your house and you talk to it like it's nothing. So now it's, now it's different. But the first few months, for sure, it was scary and uh, for them and for me too. Thank you very much. Sure. Well, Darina, thank you so much for your time tonight. Can you just tell us a bit about yourself? What brought you to the U.S.? Um, where have you lived when you've been here? I came to U.S. 10 years ago. I came with my husband because he entered university. We were in New Orleans, which is very, very different from everything I've ever experienced. Uh, I don't know if you know, but that's a tropical climate. Uh, it's very different. The people are very nice, but honestly, it was just too different for me. And so uh, three years ago, basically when coronavirus started, I came to uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, with my husband. Well, he got a new job, so we moved here. I came to church pretty much right away and they welcomed me. And, you know, I've been with them. I seen in their choir because, uh, you know, I used to sing in a choir in Ukraine. Mm. So this is something, you know, something very... It makes me feel like home because I come and that's something I do every Sunday. And turns out they have this great festival every year. Uh, this is festival number 20. 
Uh, obviously, they, they skipped one for 2020, but uh, yeah, this is the 20th festival. And I'm a performing arts stage manager. <laughs> I work in the theater. Uh, so this is my second festival that I'm working on a uh, program on stage. Uh, this is the second year that we bring in uh, Ukrainian artists. Uh, so last year we invited uh, Ruslana. She's the winner of Eurovision from Ukraine at 2005, I believe. Her song Wild Dances, I think it's in English, got very popular. She actually, when she performed, she broke the stage because they danced so intense that the stage broke. <laughs> it's very funny, but you know, it's a good spirit of Ukrainian dances, I would say. So she came to us and she performed two days. Other Ukrainian star, Oksana Bilazir, and she's also pretty popular in Ukraine. She gave three big concerts during the festival. And, you know, many, many people came. And last year, especially because uh, the full-scale war just started, people were so happy to see people from Ukraine coming to perform for them because that, you know, it reminds you about home. It makes you feel like you're at home. You've lived in the U.S. for a while now. What's it been like sort of adapting to American culture? You know, if I came to D.C. first, not to New Orleans, it would have been different. In New Orleans, there were like five Ukrainians and two of them were me and my husband. <laughs> so <laughs> we always felt like we are visitors, even though, you know, we made friends and everything. It just it felt like we are visitors, we're just gonna go back. And that's pretty much what we planned. But, um, you know, we left during the revolution of uh, dignity. I was there on November 29. I was there, there was like 50 people. You know, it just started basically. People were protesting the political decision of not joining European Union. It was very peaceful. It, nothing, nothing told me that something was coming. And the next day I leave for US and they started beating the students. So since I left Ukraine, there's so much has happened. It's crazy. Do you find it difficult sometimes to talk to people back in Ukraine, considering you've lived away for so long? Is, is that hard? Yes, I think so. The more I'm here, the more differences I can feel. Like, it takes me time to adapt. I would go to Ukraine every year until 2020. And I would need like a week to remember the difference. Like, okay, I'm here now. This is, this is Ukraine, which I mean, I feel like home there, obviously, but you notice these differences a little bit more every year. I imagine much of your family and your friends are still back in Ukraine. What do you say to them now, 18 months into the, the full-scale invasion? What are those conversations like? You know, every conversation starts, how are you? And the answer, thank God, always is, I'm alive. That's the best that can be right now. Even though people trying to go on with their lives, they try to go out, they get married, they have children, because, like, you know, it, it has been a while, and you just have to move on, you just have to live somehow, so you have to carry on. But yeah, every time I ask, are you okay? And I text them pretty often. Like, I would say more than I used to when I just came because I know, oh, they're fine, you know. I see pictures on Instagram, they're fine, okay. But now, unless they post a lot, I don't know, are they alive? I mean, I have my uh, cousin, 
Turkey went to armed forces. Uh, my dear friend that I pray for him every day because he went for armed forces from like day one. My husband got a second job to send more money to Ukraine because, you know, like my friend at the front line, he says we need a car to evacuate people. Of course, we're going to get money and send him because I know him very well. He wouldn't just say and he needs that. And of course, we just give him everything he needs. When the full scale uh, war started, I was at the White House rally to support Ukraine every day. It was pretty much from 12 p.m. till 8 p.m. We are just there all the time. It's still every day there is someone with Ukrainian flag for an hour just to remind that, you know, it's not over. You know, many people just forgot about the war. It's it's not on the news anymore. It's not interesting for us. It's still going on. We still read the news. Still every day we mourn someone. We pray for someone. Someone died. Someone's home was destroyed. It's everyday thing like it's so it must be very nice to forget about it all but it is very real and uh, thank you everyone who helps and unfortunately we have to ask you please help more to stop this war everything you can do anything just you know even just talking to people just share information is also help thank you very much Hi, I'm Michael Panko. I'm captain in Civil Air Patrol. I volunteer for the United States Air Force Auxiliary. I'm an instructor drone pilot and a check pilot examiner for the drone program. I own a drone business above Ariel and a detailing company, OC Detailers. I'm 50% Ukrainian and all of my family has passed away. So I'm here to meet my culture and taste food. Can you tell us a little bit more about your drone experience then? What do you make of the, the drone war on the ground in Ukraine? Have you been much involved in that? What do you see? So the drone war is definitely a part of my life. I've been helping my friends on the front line. I've sent three drones to my friends there. One of them's already gone. Two of them I think are still in action. I hear from them. They send me on Telegram a lot of what's going on and they send me the videos of their successes and I'm proud to be able to help them, but at the same time, it's still not enough. And I keep doing what I can to make people aware of this. I wear the colors, the flag, everywhere I go, I try to sail that flag so that people have to be reminded of it and have to stay focused on Ukraine. What does your Ukrainian heritage mean to you? You said that nobody is alive now that you can sort of share that with. So, so how do you sort of get in touch with that? Well, being is proximity to something like this. I live in Ocean City. We don't have a huge Ukrainian culture there. We don't have any restaurants. I think we have one church. It's kind of far away and they only meet half like once a month there. So I found this event promoted and I absolutely reached out because I was excited to go and just get close to things that I can't. I taste food that I can't have be by the people and hear the language and speak the language and practice where I can't practice. So that's why I'm here and I'm tickled to death to be a part of it and to get to fly the drone for it's even cooler. So we're just taking off and we're gonna be taking video and photo and sharing it back with the church and with the event so that next year they can keep promoting it. Do you tell your friends on the front line and friends in Ukraine about this event? And how do you talk about it? What do they make of it all the way in Ukraine? I've sent them some pictures just of me eating food here. Um, they saw the food and they thought, yeah. are you in Lviv? They saw the beer and they, they're like, what? Huh? And I was like, no, 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 I'm in D.C., guys. Because they, they're like, whatever you do, don't come to Ukraine now. What are you doing coming here? 
that's literally what one guy wrote to me. He's like, are you really here? I was like, no, no, no. Cause I've always said, I want to come. I want to mm-hmm. come. And they're like, now is really not the best time unless you're doing something humanitarian and I don't really have anywhere to go. So I'm here to meet people to see humanitarian efforts and find out where I can plug in and give my time and effort and hopefully my donations so that they can actually make it to the front line and make it to my friends who are suffering and crawling around in a trench on a pretty day like this today. These guys are stuck in the mud and, you know, dug in. So you said for you coming here today, it's to some extent to try and get in touch with your culture, with your heritage and with your roots. What's your sort of favorite bit of it? What have you enjoyed the most? Honestly, my grandparents had the first Ukrainian restaurant in Wilmington, Delaware in 1926. I actually brought the sign in here from the restaurant where I'm going to use to take off from with the drone. That's going to be my landing pad so that the drone will be looking at their restaurant plaque, a Panko's family restaurant, and then you'll see this Ukrainian festival. So that's kind of like my idea. But the food, obviously, I can't taste this food anymore. My grandmother made it. My grandfather made it. And coming here today i'm just so excited to get to experience something that was so pivotal in their life but like now is almost lost because i'm not married and i don't have anyone to share it with slavo ukraina duja dyakuyu za vsie sho ty robish tam ukraina thank you for everything you're doing there no matter who you are for not leaving the ship for not abandoning the ship, for not abandoning the country, and just playing a role, whether you're a father still there and doing what you can so that your kids can still be there um, and to have that life. Some people are you know, still able to do that, and some of the guys are constantly on the front line and fighting. I'm just thankful to all of them, guys, girls, everybody supporting the entire country. Everybody is strong, and to everyone in Ukraine, we care, we're watching. We're doing what we can to not let everybody rest on this. Now is not the time to get tired. And now is the time to speak up and to keep moving and moving in that direction to put an end to this Russian aggression. Thank you very much. Thank you. My name is Ksenia. I was grew up in the Kherson region in Ukraine, you know, Kherson or New Kachovka city, small city. And my parents are still here. Uh, there sorry <laughs> sorry about my english uh, and uh, i worried about them every day but they don't want to leave uh, their own country their cities their, their home they they want to be there they live in the uh, left side of dnipro river and uh, they live in occupied territory. They're okay right now, but they uh, meet every day. The bombs, uh, I worried about them every day. Uh, my mother said that our home where I was grow up was bombed just yesterday. But they want still live there, in their land, in their country, in their Ukraine. They love their Ukraine and they believe that uh, our army, our soldiers will uh, be there. And then our 
Kherson region uh, will be free from Russian occupation. And I just, I don't know how to describe that feelings, but I, uh, I'm very proud by, about my parents because I'm not exactly like them. I have a child, I have a daughter, because that's why I'm here. Because I'm afraid of her life and uh, her mental health too, because she has some fears about the war, about the bombs, about the sounds, war sounds, you know. But my parents very brave, are very brave people. And I pray for them every day. I pray for Ukraine for every day. And today's uh, festival, it's a big opportunity to find the same people who prayed for Ukraine every day too. I've came to, uh, here with two small baggage, you know, just without anything. Just me, my daughter and my cat and two small baggage. I met uh, here people, very open heart people, they helped me a lot. You know, it's, it's, it's unbelievable how people can be kind. I met some people that helped uh, us in Poland too, because we were uh, in Ukraine and then we came to Poland and then we came to the uh, United States. And all time, all the time, I uh, met very kind people, very open heart people, open soul. And it's actually incredible because I, uh, I didn't think uh, previously that people could be so kind and it's amazing it's amazing experience you know I think in the United States live uh, the same people that live in Ukraine and they have the same feelings that have Ukrainians and I felt this and I hope our victory will be not for Ukrainians, but for all people in the world. My last question, um, when you see your parents again, what will be the first thing you think you'll do as a family? <laughs> I'll, I'll say that, that I love them too much and that I'm proud of them because I have no, I, I'm not so brave that them, I can't live there. I was living in Kiev, but when was bombed, I'll leave Kiev because of my daughter, you know. But they, they 
did uh, they didn't want to leave that in the in the beginning of the war they didn't left in the mid middle of a war and they didn't want to they don't want to leave any of time I I want to be like they but I can't and I'm very proud of them and I want to say that words to them every every time what I uh, speak to them they didn't uh, talk about the situation they have but I know what they feel because I read the news but they don't they don't want to talk with me about the situation they live in but I know it's very complicated is your daughter please don't worry is your is your daughter enjoying the US is she making friends having fun um, it's a little bit difficult you know to make new friends uh, in a short period of time but my daughter uh, try to make new friends they have some friends here already but they miss they miss yeah, so much okay. about the life that she had in Ukraine she lost their life here because uh, it's very safe uh, she has a lot of new opportunities uh, here to learn English to make uh, new friends but uh, she she still want to visit her uh, friends there she miss about her friends her grandparents a lot if I can talk all people who live Ukraine I wish to, to say that they're very brave people and they should support Ukraine uh, Ukrainian army I believe every Ukrainian who uh, left Ukraine support Ukrainian army like me and I wish to say that we are believing in uh, victory we want to win uh, we want to see our families our own land again because it's very hard it's very hard to be so far from our land i see the dreams about my home and i know uh, a lot of ukrainians have uh, seen a lot of dreams about the ukraine about their families and i believe I believe that the victory will be soon. Uh, 
we will celebrate with uh, all the world victory. This episode was written and recorded by me, David Knowles. The producers were Elliot Lampett and Louisa Wells. We'll be back tomorrow with a normal episode, but for now, Happy New Year from the Ukraine The Latest team, wherever you're listening.